What is up, Dolphins, and welcome to another episode of the Finn Sports Football Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony John Deletti, and today officially marks 10 days, really 9 days, to the beginning of free agency. Now, we've heard rumors, we've heard people talk about how this week there is going to be a massacre across the NFL, people getting cut left and right, people changing teams, shifts in who's good, who's bad. And so this week, uh, I just want to say ahead of time, there is going to be a lot of sporadic podcasts. Uh, It might not be the exact format that I normally do, which is Monday, Wednesday, Friday, as as good as I can. Sometimes I don't do that exactly. But today uh, and the rest of the week, we are going to be free agent heavy uh, free agency heavy on this podcast. And, you know, there might be some days where I post a podcast two times a day. There might be some where I don't post anything. I'm going to try to center this week, uh, to try to bring you guys the most up-to-date news, not just with the dolphins, but what's going on around the NFL, because, you know, it, it might not be the dolphins releasing someone, but if I talk about them on this list, or if I don't, I'm still going to mention them throughout the week because anything and everything that happens this week, next week in free agency will affect the Dolphins in some capacity. So we start off today um, recapping everything that I talked about last week with Kyle Van Noy. Okay, I talked about the Kyle Van Noy cut, which isn't official yet. Apparently they are trying to trade him, which not sure how much trade they're going to get considering they know the team was about to release him. However, um, the Calvin Noy cut, I believe, a week from now is going to be looked at as a minor cut because you look at the player, Calvin Noy, and his production on the field in no way matched the money he was getting paid. Now, the leader he was, the person he was, Maybe, but I talked about on the podcast last week, he was getting outplayed by Andrew Van Ginkle. He was posting grades of like 60 and 61 in the run defense and in just like overall grades. He wasn't getting, you know, if you, if you look at pressures per game, it wasn't near, uh, you know, what Andrew Van Ginkle was getting as a second year, fifth round pick. So overall, when I look at the Calvin Noy cut, three things come to mind. Number one, they did the right thing. Number one, they did the right thing. I know in our hearts we like Calvin Noy, but the Dolphins are saving $9.75 million, whether they trade or cut him, to get rid of a player whose production did not match the $13 million they were paying him a year. Number two, the Dolphins front office knows what they're doing. Again, whether or not you like this move of cutting or trading Kyle Van Noy, you need to understand how smart Chris Greer and his staff are to be able to get out of a four-year $51 million contract after year one with a cap hit of $4 million, which is nothing, and a savings of nearly $10 million. That's the second thing. The third thing and the final thing is no one is safe in this free agency period. I did a poll on my Twitter, which if you have not followed, it's the Finn Sports Football Podcast at Finn Sports Football on Twitter. Give me a follow. 
And I, I did a poll and I said, do you think the Dolphins will be A, aggressive, B, balanced, or C, pretty relaxed, non-existent in free agency? And every single person put aggressive. And I would agree with that. I think the Dolphins are going to be very aggressive in free agency. Um, and here's the thing. Aggressive in free agency doesn't just mean with signings. I believe the Dolphins are going to be shopping players. I believe the Dolphins are going to be cutting people, trading people, whoever they feel like they can replace in the draft or free agency or on the team already. They are going to replace them. I look at players like Shaq Lawson. I look at players like Eric Flowers, Jakeem Grant, Clayton Fedulum, Bobby McCain, Alan Hearns, Isaiah Ford, uh, Albert Wilson, maybe. But I look at a lot of players and I say, I don't know how many people's jobs are safe on this roster as of right now. Because if they are willing to move off of Kyle Van Noy, who had the second largest contract on the team last year, second to Byron Jones, if they're willing to move off of him after one year, no one else is safe. So that's the third and final thing it shows me is I believe the Dolphins are going to be aggressive, not just on the, you know, trying to acquire talent, but also getting rid of talent. And if the Dolphins are able to trade players or release players and save more money, to sign a Xavier Howard, to sign a Mike Kosicki, to sign free agents that we'll talk about today. I'm all for it because I believe in my heart, 100%, the Dolphins will not make a move unless they feel like they can replace them. And they talked about this on the Pat McAfee show the other day, which was, you know, their reaction to the Kyle Van Noy sign. The Kyle Van Noy cut was a little annoying. However, they talked about with Diana Rossini. Diana Rossini said, all good GMs throughout the history of the league get rid of players when they feel like they can replace them. They don't get rid of players that they can't win without. And for Brian Flores, and I said this on the podcast when I talked about Kyle Van Noy, Brian Flores would not get rid of a player that he brought to Miami and Kyle Van Noy. He would not get rid of him if he did not feel 100% certain I can win without this guy because people talk about, oh, the leadership, the leadership. Brian Flores is all about leadership. If he got rid of Kyle Van Noy, that means he clearly feels like there's enough leadership to where I don't need to pay this guy $13 million a year for leadership. So no one is safe. So buckle up. It's about to get crazy. I feel like in the NFL and with the Miami Dolphins this offseason starting today, all the way through the beginning of free agency next week. And also, side note, I find it really funny how there's like a strict deadline. There's like March 17th is when free agency officially begins, like you can sign people. But free agency really has already been happening. I mean, you're hearing about people like Kyle Van Noy getting cut. Matthew Stafford already got traded. You're seeing all these moves happen left and right. So March 17th is the official date when things are going to happen. And maybe a couple of stuff, you know, develops officially. But I expect this week and the beginning of next week, you're going to hear a lot about this player's getting traded here. This player's getting traded here. They are getting cut. They're getting cut. A lot of that's going to happen this week. So just buckle up. It is about to get crazy. Okay. But before we get into that. Today on the podcast, I wanted to talk about my top five off-season positional needs. 
These are five positions that I believe the Dolphins must address in the free agency period or in the draft. Now, I battled between spot number one and two. Uh, It was between wide receiver and interior offensive lineman. And honestly, you could convince me on any day why either should be number one. But for me, I chose wide receiver as number one, and here's why. I've been someone, and I've said this on the podcast, I've been someone who's believed fix the offensive line. That is the most important position for them to fix over wide receiver. And while I still believe that 100%, I've said my opinion could change. When I'm, here's the thing, people, here's the great thing about Twitter. People post highlights and tape and analysis and statistics from this last season. The Dolphins wide receiving core was putrid this off this past year. And I understand, look, people are going to always say, they always bring up the stupid argument. Look, Fitz, Fitz was in there and he did great with those wide receivers. Really? He went three and three. That's not really great. And also at the same time, I expect Fitz to do better with wide receivers because he's a 16-year vet in an offense that he's known for seven years. Yeah, I'm sure he probably did better than Tua. But let's call a spade a spade. Our offense, our wide receiver, our skill positions were bad. The Dolphins ranked last in the NFL in separation. Average separation for the Dolphins was 2.4 yards. The next closest team was 2.6, and that was the Giants. And by the way, that that 0.2 yards of separation is the largest gap between any two teams. And it's the Dolphins at the worst and the Giants at the second worst. The Dolphins' wide receivers were awful. And what I've always done and what so many people do, and again, you you can easily convince me offensive line should be number one. But so many people always give this argument, including myself. If you fix the offensive line, it gives the wide receivers more time, right? That kind of rhymes. Fix the O-line, give the wide receivers more time. Here's the thing. I went back and watched the tape. There were many times where Tua had time in the pocket and no one was open. Now, obviously, the offensive line was not perfect. There were times where he was getting rushed and the wide receivers didn't create enough separation. But while you can make the argument fix the O-line to create more time for the wide receivers to get open. I can also say, let's get wide receivers that don't need five seconds to get open. Let's get wide receivers who can win off the line of scrimmage and get open right away so that Tua and the offensive line every play aren't having to let the route fully develop for five seconds. Like, let's get wide receivers that ball is snapped, they went off the line of scrimmage, Tua can throw the ball, quick release. Let's not get these players that it's taking them, you know, five, 10 yards down the field for them to finally get open. So for me, I'm putting wide receiver at the number one need. Now, who can we address this position with? Well, in free agency, I have three guys, Corey Davis, Curtis Samuel, Marvin Jones. The person who's probably going to want to get paid the highest is Corey Davis, probably around 15, 16 per year. He's 26 years old. Um, Curtis Samuel will probably ask for 11. And Marvin Jones, based off his age, probably 10. Maybe the same as Curtis Samuel because Marvin Jones is better, but Curtis Samuel is younger. 
So Marvin Jones will probably command about 10 to 11 million. But all three of those guys are guys that I believe could come in. They could play physical. They can create separation and they are reliable wide receivers. Uh, Marvin Jones is one of those guys. Again, he's getting older. But if you can bring him in on a three-year, $30 million deal, make the first year fully guaranteed, second year you can move off of it kind of like with the Eric Flowers contract or, you know, Kyle Van Noy, I would be excited about that because Marvin Jones, if you're talking about guys who create separation and make electric plays with the ball in their hand, it's Marvin Jones. Same thing with Corey Davis, same thing with Curtis Samuel. Now, if you want to address it in the draft which I believe the Dolphins need to address these this position in both free agency and the draft, people that I could easily, easily be excited to get, Devontae Smith, Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddell, Kadarius Toney, Elijah Moore, Dwayne Eskridge, and a guy that I have watched a crap ton of film recently of is Rashad Bateman. Rashad Bateman, if he's there at 18 and you didn't get wide receiver with the first pick, will undoubtedly get Rashad Bateman. I could make the argument he is a top three in this year. I could make the argument that Bateman, if he was at Alabama where he just had the better everything, Bateman, if you talk about creating separation, yards after catch, the dude is a beast, and he could easily be that Justin Jefferson where no one's talking about him, and then he'll have the best rookie season out of all of them. So Rashad Bateman's a guy, if you have not watched the tape, go watch the tape. All five of those guys, or actually it's seven guys that I just mentioned, would be phenomenal. Now, as far as where to draft them, Smith, Chase, and Waddle would be with your first pick, wherever it is. Tony and Bateman would probably be with that second pick in the first round. Dwayne Eskridge would probably be mid to late second round, and Elijah Moore would probably be mid to late second round as well. So I gave the Dolphins three options. You can either take it in the first, the late first, or the second round. Three different types of wide receivers. All of them would be an insane upgrade over anything we have right now. So this thought that like if it's not Smith, Chase, or Waddle, it's not worth it. Look, all of those wide receivers would, would be much, much better than anything the Dolphins have right now on their roster currently. That's just the truth of it. So number one, wide receiver. Number two, we just talked about this interior offensive line. I went back and watched the tape. And usually when you watch tape of offensive line, you think right tackle, left tackle needs to get fixed. The interior offensive line play on the Dolphins was at times pathetic. It was hard to watch. Um, I can make the excuse for Solomon Kinley because he was a fourth round draft pick. I can't, however, make an excuse for Eric Flowers. Eric Flowers was getting, is getting paid $10 million a year. And at times, he was our worst offensive lineman. This guy, I'm not even, uh, it, it hurts to talk about. Because when you pay a guy a lot of money, you expect him to play well. He does not know for the life of him how, he does not have a feel for the game at the offensive line position. Some guys... Have a feel for the game. You just can't coach it. Eric Flowers, not one of those guys. He does not know on stunt moves what to do. A stunt move is where the outside rusher comes in. 
So basically the outside rusher and the defensive tackle switched spots. Eric Flowers did not know what to do in those cases. He would double block the defensive tackle with Austin Jackson, but instead of pushing the defensive tackle to Austin Jackson and staying in his in his gap and blocking the edge rusher that stunts inside, he would just double team the defensive tackle and then Tua would have a free rusher at him. Ted Karras happened the same thing. Ted Karras just, he's not a starting center. And while there were times where he was one of the best offensive linemen we had, there were multiple times where he looked like he had never started at center in the NFL. And so those are two positions. Again, the interior offensive line was, if I could say 100% of blame would go to one position, I would say 75% of the offensive line struggles should be blamed on the interior offensive line. So, what do you do to fix that? Well, in the free agent uh, market, you have two players that I would love. Joe Thune and Corey Lindsley. Corey Lindsley's older, more experienced. Joe Thune's younger, has great upside, but is going to cost you more. So, what do we do in that situation? Well, Corey Lindsley's going to cost about 10 to 11 per year. Joe Thune will cost about 15 to 16. Uh, I would be fine with either of these positions. To be honest with you, I'd probably go with Joe Thune over Corey Lindsley because I believe there are more centers in this draft than left and right guards. So for me, I would much rather have Joe Thune and then like Landon Dickerson or Creed Humphrey in the draft. Now talking about players in the draft, there is one player that his... um, his translation to the NFL at guard is much better than his transition at tackle. And that is Alex Leatherwood, another Alabama offensive lineman. He to me is one of those players where you can experiment with him at tackle. Like you did Robert Hunt. But I think Alex Leatherwood at the guard in the NFL could be a pro bowler. No doubt in my mind, he could be a pro bowler. So if you're looking to fix the draft, the guard position in, in the draft, Alex Leatherwood. If you're looking to fix the center position in the draft, Creed Humphrey, Landon Dickerson, Quinn Mainers, those players. So number two, we had an interior offensive line. Number three, running back. Now I will say this because I've said it on the podcast. I do not believe in paying for a running back or that is necessary to have an elite running back. Now, some people, when they hear that will say you're an idiot (laughs) <laughs> you need an elite, you need, you need a run game. And I would not argue with that. I 100% believe you need a run game. You do not need an elite running back though. Proof, the last team to win a Super Bowl with an elite running back was arguably Marshawn Lynch with the Seahawks in 2014, I believe it was, when they beat the Broncos 43-8. to that was the last time, and you could consider Marshawn Lynch at that point in his career wasn't really elite. He was towards the end of his career. Teams usually don't win Super Bowls with elite running backs. You look at the top running backs in the league, let's look at them. Derrick Henry, best running back. How many Super Bowls has he been to? What I thought. Aaron Jones. He would be considered kind of elite, not not as elite as others, but Aaron Jones. As great of a team he's on. No Super Bowls. 
Okay, what about Nick Chubb? No Super Bowl. Okay, what about Zeke Elliott? No Super Bowl. Saquon Barkley? No Super Bowl. Christian McCaffrey? No Super Bowl. Todd Gurley kind of went to a Super Bowl, but he didn't win a Super Bowl. So my point is, you need a run game in the NFL. If you do not have a run game, you might as well just not even be trying. Because the teams that win Super Bowls, win games consistently, have a consistent running game. You look at the Super Bowl this past year, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Defense, good running game. They won the Super Bowl. The Dolphins have the defense. Now they need a running game. And while I do believe it's important to get a running back, a good running back, I do not believe you need to pay for an elite running back. Therefore, I'm not a fan of signing Aaron Jones. Unless you can get him for under 10 mil a year, which I don't see how the Dolphins could. I'm not for getting Aaron Jones. My number one option is signing Najee Harris in the first round. And some of you are probably wondering, wait, 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 wait. You don't want an elite running back, yet you want to take the best running back in the draft in the first round. Yes, I do. And the reason for that is because if you take a running back in the first round, you get five years. Whereas if you take a running back in the second round, you only get four. Then you might have to tag him. Then there's a bunch of drama behind that. You take a running back in the first round, you get five years of him, and then you can let him walk, take another running back in the first round. So for me, my number one option is taking Najee Harris in the first round. My second option, Javante Williams in the second. Because both of those players I like a lot, but the appeal of getting Najee Harris in the first round and getting five years of him in his rookie contract, that's very appealing to me, and I like that a lot. And and let's let's not forget, both those running backs are phenomenal running backs. I think Javante Williams is the second best running back in the draft behind Najee Harris. I do. And so if you can get one of those guys in the first or second round, put pair him with Miles Gaskin, who was like the ninth most productive offensive player last year in the NFL, you got something now. So for me, again, not a fan of taking a running back in free agency. We did it last year two times, both failed. Get someone young. Get someone who doesn't have a lot of mileage on them. Even if it's not in the first round, my number one option would be first or second round. But again, Miles Gaskin and Savan Ahmed are two most productive running backs last year, and they were pretty productive, undrafted, and one was in the sixth round. So, like, for me, the Dolphins need to address running back, but in the draft. And I will not be super happy if we get Aaron Jones in free agency. Some people would say I'm crazy because Aaron Jones is such a good player. It's nothing to do about Aaron Jones, the player. It's to do with Aaron Jones, the contract. And you're paying someone $10 million at least to do something that you could get in the first or second round with Javante Williams or Najee Harris. Just, just saying. Next position. We just got wide receiver, interior offensive line, running back, linebacker. Linebacker to me is the missing piece of the defense. If the Dolphins last year had a linebacker in the middle of the field that people feared, like a Devin White, like a Luke Keekley, 
um, a Devin Bush. If they had one of those players, Dolphins defense would have guaranteed been the best defense in the league. And, and it wouldn't have been close because the Dolphins were able to accomplish what they did on defense last year with a lot of holes. We didn't have a elite edge rusher. I mean, Emmanuel Ogba got nine sacks. That's not really considered elite in the NFL, but it's very good considering what we paid him. And he had a great season, but we had a very good cornerback um, in, in Xavier Howard. Okay. Linebackers, pretty good defensive line play and two very underrated no-name players at safety. Yet we were a top six defense. If the Dolphins had a linebacker that was able to stretch, you know, sideline to sideline, blitz, good against the run, good in coverage, the Dolphins' defense would be very scary. Scarier than it is now. And so for me... It's similar to wide receiver where I would not be upset if the Dolphins addressed linebacker in free agency and the draft. They definitely have to address it more now than they ever did because Kyle Van Noy. So how do we fix it? Well, in free agency, it is reported that the Dolphins are going to try to go after Levante David. Levante David is by far one of the best linebackers in the last 10 years, and he's still playing phenomenal football. He's great in pass coverage, which we desperately need. He's a leader, which, oh yeah, wasn't Kyle Van Noy a leader? Oh wait, you could get someone 10 times better than him and he's still a leader? Interesting. Levante David's a leader. He's much better than Kyle Van Noy. And he's probably going to cost you about the same. I would expect the Dolphins to pay Levante David a three-year deal. I don't know, 13 mil per year. That's about 39 so let's just call it 43 years, $40 million. Make half of it guaranteed so that you can get out in the second year, kind of like you did with, you know, Eric Flowers, Kyle Van Noy, that type of deal. But I would be 100% on board with the Dolphins getting Levante David because you just saved $9.75 million by cutting Kyle Van Noy. You sign Levante David for $13 million, you're basically getting him for $3.25 million a year. It's going to cost you, you know, again, $3.25 million on top of that $9.75 you cut. So if you, you're telling me I could cut Kyle Van Noy, only pay him $4 million, and then sign Levante David, and it only costs me an additional $3.25 million? Sign me up. Now in the draft... There are a bunch of uh, linebackers I like in the draft. Micah Parsons won't be there at 18, but if he was, you take him. Uh, I love Jeremiah Wusu-Koromoa. I love Chas Surratt. Uh, I love Zaven Collins. I love Baron Browning. There are a lot of linebackers I really like, and I think the ideal spot for a linebacker for the Dolphins is at 18 or at 36, one of those two spots. I think if the Dolphins can get someone like a Chas Surratt, Zaven Collins, or... Baron Browning at 36, it's a steal. So like ideally, look, if, if first round you go, I'm trying to think. First round you go wide receiver at eight. Say you trade back. You get wide receiver at eight. Then you get, let's see, wide receiver at eight. Um, running back at 18. Linebacker at 36. Interior offensive lineman at 50 
and then another wide receiver at 80 or whenever it is that you take another wide receiver, you do that, you're set. Now, maybe if we get Levante David, we don't take a linebacker. I don't know. Maybe we don't take a linebacker in the draft. I have no idea. But for me, I would get two linebackers because he is getting older and you're going to need to replace him eventually. So you look at a pass coverage linebacker in the draft, you can get one of those and let him learn from Levante David. You're setting your team up for success for the future. Last but not least, nickel corner. Nickel corner is a very important need for the Dolphins that no one's talking about. Um, When we moved Bobby McCain to free safety, I feel like it was a very detrimental move. And I can't speak too much about it because obviously our defense is a top six defense in the NFL. However, Bobby McCain was playing Pro Bowl caliber football at nickel corner. He got the contract that we're trying to get out of. Everyone's talking about cut Bobby McCain. You'll save this much million. That's because he got a huge contract from when he was killing it at nickel corner. There was a time when we gave him a record-setting nickel cornerback contract. However, I do not think Bobby McCain will be on the team because of Brandon Jones, and I highly doubt Brian Flores will move him back to nickel corner. So what do we do? I think nickel corner we need to address in free agency. Not the draft, maybe later on in the draft as a backup. Or he could just sign Nick Needham as a backup. But for me, I've talked about him many times. You can get Mike Hilton for $6 million per year. You can get him for $6 million, three years, $18 million. Make $10 million of it guaranteed. $6 million his first year fully guaranteed. In his second year, only $4 million. That way, if you cut him, it's only a $4 million cap hit. And you can get phenomenal cornerback play nickel cornerback play for very cheap because nickel corners don't go for a lot of money Mike Hilton is only 26 years old he is the ultimate do-it-all corner he's good in pass coverage he's good in man zone blitzing uh he's even played some time in the safety uh the only issue with him is his tackling but I believe that would be fixed because Brian Flores just like Mike Tomlin like they're good defensive coaches and Again, the Steelers' defense was phenomenal this year, and so clearly his tackling wasn't too bad of an issue, or else they wouldn't have had such a good defense. Obviously, their offense was atrocious, but their defense was good. So I would 100% love that upgrade at nickel corner over Nick Needham for what? Four or five million dollars, six million dollars a year? That's nothing. But I really think nickel corner is a huge need for this team because. You look at our safeties, Eric Rowe does well against tight ends, not named Darren Waller and Travis Kelsey, but who 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 does really? No one does well against them. Uh, Brandon Jones, I think, has insane upside at safety. You have Xavier Howard and Byron Jones, who you pay. Um, you would get a linebacker like Levante David, a young linebacker core with Jerome Baker in them, uh, a developing defensive line. Now you need nickel corner to be able to, to lock up those slot wide receivers. Mike Hilton's that guy. So those are my five needs for the Dolphins in the offseason. Again, wide receiver number one, interior offensive line, even Penny Sewell. He's not interior offensive line, but just offensive line, I think, still needs to be fixed. Running back at three, linebacker at four, nickel corner at five. Hope you guys enjoyed today's podcast. Stay safe. Have a great rest of your day. 
fins up.